RPC Radio. Hello and welcome to Taxing Matters, your one-stop audio shop for all things tax, brought to you by RPC. My name is Alice Kemp and I will be your guide as we explore the sometimes hostile and ever-changing landscape that is the world of tax law and tax disputes. Taxing Matters brings you a fortnightly roadmap to guide you and your business through this labyrinth. In case any of you miss any crucial information or just want some bedtime reading, there is a full transcript of this and indeed every episode of Taxing Matters on our website at www.rpc.co.uk forward slash taxingmatters. is a former HMRC inspector turned Deloitte director, Annis Lampard. Annis is a leader in Deloitte's tax controversy team where she helps private clients, private companies, trusts and family offices to navigate disclosures, inquiries and investigations and generally try to get clarity around what's happening in a pre-dispute situation. Annis is a CETA qualified mediator and like RPC's own Adam Craggs, a firm believer in the benefits that ADR can bring to tax disputes. She's also a self-confessed bookworm with a wide range of favourite authors, but unfortunately thinks the wrong Donna Tart novel is the best one. So, Annis, welcome to Taxing Matters. Thanks, Alice. It's nice to let me on, even if I have chosen the wrong Donna Tart novel. <laughs> Absolutely. We won't hold that against you. So, by the nature of the role that you do, you deal quite often with HMRC and in particular with the wealthy and mid-sized business compliance team within HMRC. So, where does that team fit within their operations as a whole? They have what they call customer-facing teams from a business or a private client perspective. That means the bits of the revenue that you actually get to speak to. And they are possibly one of the biggest directorates, if not the biggest directorate. They have about a third of their staff and a third of their tax takers of department actually comes from this directorate. So it's quite a big department. It's very important. Most people listening will probably have had interaction with them at some point, even if they didn't know it. What does that directorate actually do? They've got a really wide range, as the rather long mouthful of a name suggests. Uh, (laughs) They will look at individuals in the so-called wealthy unit. Many of those individuals are also entrepreneurs. And in fact, HRC deliberately brought the directorate together so that they could look at the affairs of entrepreneurs and the privately owned businesses together. might sound scary, but actually it's a very positive move because it was a reaction to the fact that they realised that clients themselves tend to look at their affairs and their business affairs together. And it made sense for HRC to join the two up as well. But it is a wide range of customers that they look after. They've got over 300,000 taxpayers that they look after at the last count. And you go from really quite small businesses right up to businesses that could almost be butting up against the large business directorate at the other end. So it is a broad church. It does seem to be an incredibly broad range. So you and I have spoken before about an issue that might arise with taxpayers and their advisors not really having a good dialogue with the business units that they're dealing with at HMRC. Why might that be? Well, it's a good question. I think the first issue is that, as we've touched on, it is a very large directorate and HMRC perhaps doesn't have as much hierarchy within that directory as with some of the parts of HMRC. Again, that's broadly a good thing. You don't want to have an overly rigid process or structure with a directorate that serves so many people and such a wide variety of situations, but it can make it challenging to navigate. Now, obviously, this inquiry process as a whole, which you talk about on this podcast generally, does have a structure of its own. It does provide opportunities for dialogue. 
world. What we're talking about today is really the need to go beyond that when people are already in a process, but they just need a bit more interaction with HRC, maybe to correct misunderstanding, maybe just to clarify what it is that HRC actually wants from them. You mentioned ADR in the intro to this episode. I think it's a great tool. It does tend to be a tool that comes in a bit later in a process. What we're talking about is dialogue that is additive to the dialogue that's already there by virtue of having an inquiry process and comes in a little bit earlier than some of the other mechanisms for conversation with HRC that people might already know about. So what kind of steps can people think about taking to better open up this communication and provide more of a dialogue? What might some of the benefits of this better communication be? Well, I think it's something that people need anyway. It provides clarity for, for HRC as well as the person actually going through the dispute because it allows everyone to understand what you're really talking about. It allows you to air misconceptions, to air preconceptions and to get those out of the way so you're having a much more effective dialogue. It also recognises the way in which people's financial and tax affairs now operate. There is a lot more real-time information. People therefore want real-time dialogue with HRC. A lot of that, of course, is underpinned by the industrial scale of information exchange that again, was talked about in an earlier podcast episode. People feel that if HRC have that data on them, they want to be able to discuss it much more freely and fluidly with HRC. That often, I think, takes big organisations like HRC by surprise, given the job they do. They maybe assume that people don't want to talk with them, right? (laughs) But actually, they do. The feedback we get time and again from clients is, can someone just please pick up the phone? Can we please just discuss this? So I think that is important. It's going to become more and more important as we see these pressures on HRC to collect more tax with less resource continue. It's more important to have that dialogue up front and straighten things out quickly. So what steps might taxpayers and their advisors be able to take to open up this dialogue with HMRC and its business units? There are really three things that we're thinking about and talking about a lot with clients at the moment. They are the high-risk wealthy program, the idea of a wealth lifecycle conversation, and then there's the idea of better routes in for corporates who want to make disclosures to HRC, possibly using something known as the floating CCM model. Great. So taking each of those in turn, what is the high-risk wealthy program? Well, as the name suggests, it's a program, it's a process. So it is something quite structured. The idea is that it applies to disputes where there are high stakes, so quite large amounts of tax typically, but possibly also reputational aspects for those involved on both sides and where things have got entrenched. Now, there are a number of other processes. This might be something where ADR comes in, but not every case can be accepted into ADR, particularly if there is something binary or if there's something where HRC needs to consider if they might be making or breaking a precedent. So the high-risk wealthy program, HRWP for short. That's something where really other processes don't work. You can turn to this. Now, it's an idea that HRC themselves have taken from the high-risk corporate program, which is something Deloitte and other firms are very familiar in. Deloitte in particular was very keen to engage with this early on because we could see the benefits of it. In both the corporate and the wealthy program, the real benefits are that you bring in senior decision makers at HRC. That allows you to get over, just going around in circles and thinking, I'm sure HRC have made up their mind. Why can't we move to a decision? So this process really allows you to get to the decision-making process much more quickly because the right people are in the room. It is also LSS compliant. The LSS, so remember that's the litigation settlement strategy, an absolutely crucial underpinning for any negotiation with HRC. Absolutely. It is such a crucial document. Exactly. 
any solution that comes out of this process will be LSS compliant. This process gets everyone in the room, gets them talking in a much more strategic way. And it often as well allows people to provide context that has been missing. That's crucial. There was a recent report published that HRC themselves had commissioned about the wealthy's attitude to tax. It was prepared by a third-party research body. And HRC themselves might be surprised by some of the tone of the report because one of the things that was called out was that HMRC appear to have a very strong negative set of assumptions about how the wealthy view not only HRC but their tax obligations. Whereas actually feedback from the report was that wealthy individuals and wealthy business owners are keen to be compliant and actually would just like to pick up the phone to HMRC and to have a conversation with someone who doesn't automatically assume that just because they're wealthy, they're trying to do something wrong. The High Risk Wealthy Programme allows for a reset in the relationship just as much as getting the stakeholders in the room and moving on to decisions swiftly. The next option was the Wealth Life Cycle conversation. How does that work? For an individual, a wealth life cycle is often driven by events in your personal life. Maybe you work in a business and the business goes through a transaction. As a member of the senior management team, you acquire a lot of wealth, maybe in the form of share options. That boosts your wealth. It puts you on a different part of the wealth life cycle conversation. For other people, it's much more personal than that. It might be about marriage. Sadly, it might be about divorce. It might be about succession or inheritance, whether they are the people inheriting or passing money on. For a business, it's going to be slightly different, although it can again be bound up with the personal life of the founder or management team. More likely, though, it's about the kind of growth, hopefully the exponential growth of the business as they go through to a transaction. All of these points in people's lives when they often need tax advice. And in the advisory community, we call that the wealth life cycle. An individual or a business might take stock of their assets, realize that they've stepped up another level in well and want to think about what their their wealth and their tax is. HRC has recently realised that that is quite a good framework for dialogue between HRC and between taxpayers. There is an idea that rather than having retrospective conversations, sometimes two maybe even three years down the line by the time a tax filing has been made, it is much better for everyone to be able to talk about it whilst memories are fresh, particularly in a business context if there's been a transaction, talk about it whilst those people are in the business and have access to the papers rather than after they've possibly moved to a new role. Some of those questions could be answered up front, some maybe can only be addressed in a tax return later after further advice, but at least everyone has clarity and peace of mind about what they need to talk about. HMRC's inquiries always start with a hypothesis. There's a very careful risk review before they open any formal audit. And so if it's possible to address what is driven the opening of an inquiry, what HRC's concerns might be sooner rather than later, that is immensely helpful. Another example can be understanding why there's a formal information request being made rather than just seeing the data request, answering it in the best way that you think is needed and then HRC coming back later and saying, sorry, that's not quite what we need. And the final one you mentioned was corporate disclosures. What are we talking about there? Well, you do see a lot of situations where actually taxpayers themselves are identifying that something might have gone wrong in the past. Although HRC has a lot of disclosure programs, typically they were designed with individuals in mind, maybe individuals talking about things like offshore bank accounts. That doesn't really fit for, for example, a large private company that realises that their R&D claim might have been wrong. It doesn't work for a business who realises that they've taken the right amount of deductions for share scheme options, but in the wrong periods, and who therefore want to come forward to HRC and rectify the matters. If you were a business in the large business directorate at HMRC, you would have something known as a CCM, a customer compliance manager. Their role is to be your point person, your one point of contact with HMRC, and they have a team sitting underneath them with various tax specialists, usually corporation tax, VAT, employment taxes. You could reach out to any of those specialists individually, but typically you'll go through the CCM. You could ring them. You could say, this is the situation. 
this is what I think you need to know. We've calculated the tax already for you and we've got a check ready to come. We're ready to put it right. You can't do that at the moment if you're in the wealthy and mid-sized business director. You don't have that CCM. Now, HRC are thinking about bringing in so-called floating CCMs so that rather than having a dedicated CCM for each business, what you have instead is a group of CCMs who service a group of businesses, probably at the higher and more complex end, to avoid a cliff edge between customer service within HMRC for large business versus mid-sized business customers. Huge advantages if you do want to make a disclosure. Again, it gives you a dedicated team to ring. At the moment, you have to go to a central mailbox. You don't even get an automatic email acknowledging that your email has been received. So you are often left wondering if anyone at HMRC even knows that you're trying to put things right. That causes a lot of anxiety, particularly if you're trying to go through a transaction at the same time and reassure the people buying your business that you are on top of this, that you have a clear path to resolution. And that mailbox, although it is manned, although there is dedicated resource behind it, obviously that resource has been quite strained over the last 12 to 18 months. And therefore, we're not seeing disclosures be picked up terribly quickly. So the need for better dialogue to bring these disclosures to HRC, to give everyone peace of mind again, to actually give the revenue money that taxpayers are trying to give them and to move on, has to be to everyone's advantage. And that's something that we're talking about a lot, not only with clients, but also with HMRC. And is this something that applies more generally to HMRC as a whole? That's a really good question. Yes and no is going to be my answer. (laughs) (laughs) The bits that are common across all of HMRC are that definitely there's a greater appetite for taxpayers, for our clients to reach out to HMRC in real time to explain the data, not to have these retrospective conversations where misunderstandings and negative assumptions have already taken root and where HMRCs are having to possibly wheel back from the risk reviews they had to do to open a dialogue in an inquiry. So yes, that is a broader theme for sure. At the same time, I think it is a particular challenge for people who are dealing with the wealthy mid-sized business directorate because as we've talked about earlier, it's such a broad directorate. They can't staff every single conversation with an individual CCM and there are less processes other than the corporate mailboxes where it can feel like quite a one-way dialogue. So if you look at the sheer numbers of people who are interacting with this directorate, I do think it's quite an important thing to fix for the tax system of the future. has been involved in trying to make communications better with HMRC in general. What proposals have been made to ensure that there are these better lines of communication between businesses or individuals and HMRC? Another really good question. One thing to call out up front is that although Deloitte is heavily involved in these conversations, it's very, very important that anyone has access to these routes for dialogue with HMRC. And HMRC, of course, recognise that too as part of their role as a public authority. So everything that we are talking about is being done on the basis that everyone should have access to these routes into HMRC, should have the access to dialogue with HMRC in a timely and proper manner, irrespective of the size of the firm representing you. And that's the basis on which we're having conversations with HMRC about the potential routes in, about the potential processes that we've just mentioned. And what is HMRC's view on these proposals? Pleasingly, it's very positive. This is absolutely something that they are thinking about as well. They recognise that it helps everyone. It genuinely makes their lives easier. And we've been having some very interesting conversations about, for example, their move to what they call upstream compliance. The idea is that before you reach a formal dispute, a formal inquiry or tax audit or piece of controversy, that again, everyone can just have a conversation. 
the way in which we often see that come out from HRC at the moment is through the nudge letters. Again, something that I know this podcast has covered and is very important to know about, but it is just the start of the process to have nudge letters. HRC thinking about upstream compliance generally. So if there can be more dialogue, dialogue at an earlier stage and dialogue between the right parties, that helps everyone. Indeed, two of the things that we've mentioned, the high-risk wealthy program and the idea of floating CCMs are actually initiatives that are either live with HRC already, that's the high-risk wealthy program, or that they are imminently looking at introducing, that's the floating CCMs. The wealth lifecycle piece is perhaps a little bit further out. It's something we're in an active dialogue with HRC about. We hope that it will come on stream, but there needs to be some more work done so that, for example, people who don't feel comfortable or confident having that conversation are not prejudiced in the eyes of HRC because they don't come forwards, and that instead it's a conversation that works for the right people at the right point. But generally, a lot of support from HRC, and I think they appreciate that firms like Deloitte are bringing these ideas to them with a recognition that you need greater support, greater dialogue, and yet there is limited resource. We are bringing pragmatic solutions rather than simply shouting at HRC and saying, why can't you hire more staff and give everyone a CCM? (laughs) That is never going to be a solution. (laughs) What do you think might be a sticking point for HRC in implementing these greater dialogue initiatives? Well, there's definitely an issue at the moment for tax authorities globally, not just for HRC, to have to deliver more revenue on limited resource. It's not just a short-term thing with COVID, where I think we all deeply appreciate the work that HRC put in to mobilise staff so quickly to set up and to man the COVID report. HRC has had a retirement bulge recently. There's a bit of a civil service freeze. They are having to deliver more for less. So any solution that simply says, please hire more staff, please give more people one-on-one support for them or their businesses is not going to work, even though HRC by nature is collaborative and wants to have real-time dialogue. So it's that balance between supporting dialogue and limited resource. There's a further challenge about balancing the flexibility that can come from having much earlier conversations with upholding the LSS. The LSS is this crucial framework that gives fairness for everyone. What you don't want, of course, is this dialogue to become a mechanism by which some people, particularly if they're represented by specific firms, are able to pick up the phone to HRC and get what used to be known as a sweetheart deal. So there's a real tension there between opening up this dialogue, making it fair and transparent, whilst remaining confidential for those in the conversation, and also giving enough support without actually drowning HRC's HR needs. Quite a big challenge, I think you'll agree. Absolutely. It does sound like a huge challenge. So what tips have you got for taxpayers and advisors who are seeking to improve the nature of their communications with the Wealthy and Midsides Business Compliance Directorate or indeed HMRC as a whole? I think there's three things, really, a bit like the three processes we've talked about. One, <laughs> don't give up hope. Dialogue is possible. HRC will ultimately talk to you. You just need to find the right way in and the right way to have that conversation. Secondly, start as early as possible. If you can do some kind of pre-crisis planning, hopefully you aren't in an inquiry at the moment, you've therefore got the bandwidth and the calmness to think about this. Think about what you would like to talk about with HRC if you ever had to be in a room with them. What is important for them to understand about your business, the way it grew, the way it operates, the amount of record keeping you do. A classic thing that we often see is that HRC asks for records in a particular format and clients are nervous that they hold those records, but in a different format and that's going to disadvantage them. So if you can do some of that thinking, either about your family or your business history before you get into a dispute, that can really pay dividends later down the line. And we're certainly supporting a number of clients around that and it's given them real peace of mind. If you're just not able to do that, and unfortunately you've got an error to disclose or you're in an inquiry, then that's a time when really specialist controversy support can really help. 
So do consider bringing in extra advice. None of that displaces your existing advisors, but you need someone to be able to steer you through a process that hopefully you've never had to encounter before. And the benefit that specialist advice can bring is to help you know what conversations might be possible, when they're likely to come up, whether you can propose them or whether you have to wait for them to be suggested to you by HMRC and what is likely to happen in that conversation. So don't give up, remain hopeful. If you can plan before you're in a dispute, that's great. If you're already there in a sticky situation, make sure you're getting the right supporters around you who can help you understand what your options are rather than just feeling that you're being steamrolled into a solution. Great tips there. And what do you think it is most important for taxpayers and their advisors to remember when they're communicating with HMRC? I would say it's remembering that you and HMRC are effectively in the same conversation. You're trying to work together. It never feels like that. But at the end of the day, you are both trying to get to the right answer. We are lucky in the UK to have a competent and ethical tax authority who want to reach the right answer and have clear processes and transparent processes. So if you can balance that clear, transparent, ethical process with the flexibility of dialogue, whether it's literally picking up the phone or whether it's going into some processes that we've talked about today, you're going to get the best of both worlds. But don't let yourself get even more stressed out than you might be at the moment by thinking it's automatically adversarial. Ultimately, you will be able to reach a resolution. This will come to an end one day. That's great advice. Unfortunately, that's all we've got time for in this week's episode. Tune in next time to hear members of the newly launched Global Network for Crypto Fraud and Asset Recovery, CIFAR, talking about all things crypto. Thank you again, Annas Lampard, for joining us today. You can get in touch with Annas via email on alampard at deloitte.co.uk or via LinkedIn. If you have any questions for me or for Annis or any topics you'd like us to cover in a future episode, please do email us on taxingmatters at rpc.co.uk. We'd love to hear from you. RPC would like to thank podcast manager Josh McDonald. Original score was composed and produced by Insider Music, who also produced this podcast series. To hear a full, uninterrupted version of our podcast theme, go to Instagram at Insider Music and follow the link in bio. And of course, a big thank you to all of our listeners for joining us. If you like Taxing Matters, why not try RPC's other podcast offering, Insurance Covered, which looks at the inner workings of the insurance industry, hosted by the brilliant Peter Mansfield and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and our website. If you like this episode, please do take a moment to rate, review and subscribe and remember to tell a colleague about us. Thank you all for listening and talk to you again in two weeks. (laughs) 